Hello, everybody. Glad to have you back for the Taming the Shrew podcast. We're going to be recapping our most recent journal club, and we're going to do it in a little bit different format this time. Instead of having one long podcast, we're going to break it up into three different segments, each one covering one paper. So this week, we're going to start off with Dr. Sarah Wolikachuk, who is going to lead off with a discussion of beta blockers in refractory VFib and VTAC. For our journal club, we focused on three articles that have to do with critical care resuscitation that takes place in our shrew. Um, and we looked at three different modalities for treating cardiac arrest patients that typically don't respond to some of our modalities that we use um, via the ACL, ACLS guidelines. The first article we are going to talk about was a, a meta-analysis, and it was by Gottlieb, and it's called Beta Blockade for the Treatment of Cardiac Arrest Due to VFib or Pulseless VTAC, and it was published in November 2019 in Resuscitation. So this article focused on synthesizing the data that's out there on beta blocker therapy during arrest for refractory VFib or VTAC. So this can be a, a fairly frustrating patient population. Um, as a physician, you know, we want to cure, do no harm, we want to fix people, and refractory VFib or VTAC can be one of those situations that you kind of throw the kitchen sink at them and, and sometimes nothing works. Um, this particular meta-analysis looked at both ED and non-ED patients. The authors felt that this was important given the poor outcomes of arrest patients in refractory shockable rhythms that don't respond to ACLS. And specifically, they focused on those who didn't respond to defibrillation, epinephrine, and antiarrhythmics. The antiarrhythmics did differ. The earlier studies involved lidocaine and procainamide and then amiodarone in, in the later studies. I'm going to get into the nitty-gritty of beta blockers a little bit, the pharmacology after we discuss this meta-analysis, but specifically, they looked for beta blocker versus control studies to get as formal data as possible, and they excluded case studies and case series. Ultimately, they chose three studies that had an N of 115, so unfortunately, this is very small numbers. As you can imagine, this typical patient demographic is hard to randomize into groups and really hard to... Uh, collect data on in some formal fashion. This study specifically looked at ROSC, both temporary and sustained, survival to admission, survival to discharge, and favorable neuro outcome. And they measured that by the cerebral performance category. So um, ultimately, they found just under 3,000 unique abstracts, reviewed 30 full texts, and they came up with these three final for their meta-analysis, and all of them were observational. I do want to take a moment here to talk about these three. Since we do only have three, we have we kind of have the good fortune of being able to delve into the data a little bit as opposed to a meta-analysis with, you know, dozens of, of studies. The first one they looked at was um, Natameni's study from 2000, which specific, specifically looked at electrical storm after MI. So not exactly an ED patient population, but certainly, ex, you know, able to be extrapolated into our patient demographic. Um, this particular study had an N of 49, two groups, beta blocker versus standard ACLS, and they specifically focused on if someone is, was in electrical storm after an MI. They started ACLS based on protocols, and then their, this particular arrhythmia service was consulted, and all of them got antiarrhythmics before the team arrived, and they chose beta blocker or not based on physician preference. They looked at a couple measures of outcomes, specifically one-week mortality 
and survival at one year. And they found that the beta blocker decreased death within a week and also um, improved survival to discharge. Interestingly, observationally, the authors did note that this stopped pulseless VTAC and VFib. The beta blocker stopped these rhythms before any of the antiarrhythmics did. Additionally, they reviewed driver study from 2014 who looked at refractory VFib and VTAC arrest patients who had gotten shocked three times epinephrine three times and amiodarone three times. So we can certainly imagine this ED patient coming into our ED with that report from EMS. They had an N of 25 and they looked at uh, temporary ROSC, which was described as more than 30 seconds, but less than 20 minutes. Sustained ROSC, more than 20 minutes. And survival to admission, survival to discharge. Unfortunately, the N was a little bit too small for any of them to be clinically or statistically significant, but they did note that the numbers differed. So that kind of led Lee in 2016 in South Korea to um, use a bigger N and use similar measurements as Driver did. This study took place over four years. The first two years, they treated these arrest patients in their ED with no esmolol. And in the second two years, they treated their ED patients and this type of arrest with esmolol. And they noted significantly different rates of temporary ROSC, sustained ROSC, and survival to the ICU. Interestingly, they also did not notice a significant difference in survival to discharge and good neuro outcomes. So this meta-analysis took a look at these three articles, which kind of are really the only data we have on beta blockers in this type of arrest out there that are not case studies. Together, they pooled all of these data. Lee and Driver's data made up the most of the forest plots in this meta-analysis, and they found a significant difference in the rates of temporary ROSC with an odds ratio of about 14.5, sustained ROSC, survival to admission, and good neuro outcomes. And they were able to add the Netamini's data for survival to discharge, which had an odds ratio just under eight. So overall, they are basically trying to prove that beta blockers can improve both temporary and sustained ROSC, survival to admission, survival to discharge, and a favorable neurologic outcome. Of course, with numbers this small, you always run into limitations where when your N is not large enough, it's, it's hard to study. It's hard to get significant outcomes. Um, interestingly, I found it I found it odd that not everyone received targeted temperature management, which really is the only treatment shown to improve neural outcomes and reduce brain injury post-arrest. I want to take a moment here to talk about the pharmacology of beta blockers and why the details behind why this theoretically works in a VFib or VTAC arrest. So epinephrine, the mainstay of ACLS, an alpha and beta agonist. Um, and the beta blockers, the idea here is that beta blockers can protect against epinephrine's beta agonism effects. So during myocardial ischemia, sympathetic activity is reflexively increased, both endogenously and ex exogenously as we give epi. Um, so patients in arrest have high levels of catecholamine circulating. Um, beta agonism, unfortunately, increases the myocardial O2 requirement, it worsens ischemia, and it decreases the threshold of these arrhythmias, VFib and VTAC, which is the exact opposite of what we want. Um, so sympathetic blockade, like beta blockade, can actually increase the threshold of this arrhythmia. Esmolol is typically used here because not only is it cardioselective, um, but it's quick on and quick off. So if you notice that it worsens cardiac function or heart failure, you can turn it off and in the next kind of 10 minutes, it's out of the patient's system. Why did Gottlieb um, do this meta-analysis? Why do we think this is important? Well, 20% of out-of-hospital cardiac arrests have a shockable rhythm, and we know that these are kind of already posed to have a higher chance of survival to discharge. But those in refractory shockable rhythms have survival only between 3 and 15%. Um, 5% of which have good neurologic outcomes. So I think this is an interesting article. I think it might change my practice pattern in the shrew. Um, 
in resuscitations. I think where to go from here, you know, looking at what is the preferred beta blocker, looking at chest compression method, Lucas versus mechanical using hands, um, targeted temperature management in conjunction with beta blocker therapy. Does that improve neurologic outcome? I think there are a lot of um, really cool and interesting potential research avenues that we could take from here. All right. Thanks, everybody. Hopefully that was enjoyable. We will join you next week where we're going to be discussing dual sequence defibrillation, vector change defibrillation, and standard defibrillation, again, for refractory VFib and VTAC. Hope to see you there. Take care. Be well.